Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. It's me, Rosie O'Donnell, and we are in November. Can you believe that? We're in November. And uh, my kiddo thinks it's very funny to say that Thanksgiving is the middle child between October and Christmas. (laughs) That's what they said to me last night. I'm like, I suppose that is true. So we lost Matthew Perry. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get to know him during COVID when... uh, we both were in a, a group that, you know, got together and Zoomed and and we're still together, the group. And um, we check in in the morning and and at night. And so it was a privilege to get to know him and and to love him and to watch him fight so hard, you know, for his health in every way. And he's a champion. He's a champion. And so many of us, nearly all of us, have someone that we love who struggles with addiction, a disease of addiction. And it's so easy to just say they lack the willpower. They are somehow morally corruptible. It's just a lie, you know? It's just a lie. It's a disease. And um, I think his body had just had enough, you know? Read his book. It's beautiful. That's what I can say. Read his book. And he was a beautiful, beautiful man. He was an amazing man. And that book tells you all about who he is from, you know, his own heart. Yeah, onward, onward. What do you do? It's so hard when you lose a friend and um, especially when somehow the friend is younger than you. It's hard for me to believe that... uh, So much has changed since I was a kid, and uh, so much hasn't. I remember being horrified at the war in Vietnam, and it was on TV, and I was a little kid. I couldn't get away from it. 
So I stopped watching the news and I kind of have to do that now. Self-preservation, you know, stay informed, but don't overload all your circuits all the time and try to fix things that are not ours to fix, right? As they say in all the AA programs, the wisdom to know the difference, right? The things I can and cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference. But I'm inspired by so many people and uh, that's what I'm trying to now just absorb, stay present. I'm in my life. I'm a grown-up. I'm here. This is happening. We've gotten through all the other tough days. We'll get through these, you know. I have no answers. Nobody has the answers other than, uh, other than, you know, survive today, <laughs> survive tomorrow. But I don't uh, have any answers, and I I know everybody's in pain and everybody's raw, and uh, I'm respecting everyone's need for for peace right now including my own, you know. Yeah. Um, we have a good show, really good show. A friend of mine, Cheryl Donier, who is a world-renowned African-American director, writer, and actor. And uh, we met on the set of American Gigolo. She was a guest director. But I knew of her from her very first film, Watermelon Woman, which was a groundbreaking, self-produced movie that opened a whole new genre in film. And sometimes you don't know something is missing until someone shows it to you. And that's kind of what Watermelon Woman did. Just one woman's quest to be truly represented on film. And it's now part of the permanent collection of cinema at the Museum of Modern Art. Yes, MoMA uh, has chosen Watermelon Woman as part of their permanent collection. And that's pretty amazing. One note, when we taped this, it was right after the writer's strike had ended, and we had very high hopes that SAG after was going to end right away, but we are still fighting for the good fight, stronger than ever. We can hold on, SAG and AFTRA, and uh, I'm so proud of you, Fran Drescher, the president of Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, and uh, I love you very much, and I'm so proud of how you're standing tall and fighting for all of us. But right now, here we are, me and my friend, Cheryl Dunier. Hey, Cheryl Dunier, how are you? I am blessed and happy and um, happy to be here with you. Yeah, you know, very good what, to see you. Mm-hmm. We got to work together on American Gigolo and ill-fated, discombobulated show that Mm -hmm. you and I were there when they sort of tore it in half and started saying, (laughs) do this, do that, work without a script. But we got through it and we became friends. Good to see you. Onward. Onward we went. Yes, we we did. through that. And, you know, it was, it was, shows can be hard, really can be hard. I mean, um, I'm glad that things are being renegotiated right now and um, have landed in favor of the people. People yes. who really bring bring shows to life, who are, you know, the directors, um, the actors, fingers crossed, that works out, as well as um, um, the writers, you know. Uh, yeah. So, 
-hmm. It was so shocking to me to hear that the AMPTP thought they could do without the people who create the things they sell. (laughs) It shocked me, right? I thought, well, surely you're not going to be able to robot this uh, (laughs) auto room. You know what I'm saying? How, How did they think they would be able to... To do it without the ingredients that you need in the soup. I have no idea. It is all about capitalism. It is all about the money. Um, but, but for us, it's about talent. So, and here yeah. I am with the talented Rosie. And Uh-oh. you, the talented you. I mean, <laughs> but, you but. you had a big crossroads in your life where mm. you were about to become a tenured professor. And you got the bug of doing and directing episodic TV shows, right? And yeah. is it true that the school said to you, pick kiddo? Yes, yes. It's a, that's a, that was a big crossroad time. Um, I had just moved to the Bay Area and had been living here for about five years. I was in L.A. I said, you know, FLA, let me move up here and, and be with the people and, and find work and, and, and get a job as an academic. Finally, just land instead of trying to dance between two worlds. And I was just really going to go down that path. But. We started, you know, I, the bug happened. I started to get the itch and made some shorts that went around and, and then, uh, you know, got into the academy. That really was the wow. magic moment when I got into the academy with that first wave of, of uh, new um, directors that came in and uh, met Ava DuVernay, wow. um, who was doing Queen Sugar. And, you know, the, re- the rest is history there. She said, you know, do you want to be on the show? I said, yes. And, uh, you know, my, my school said no. And, right away. Um, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Right. Right. So. And was um, it a, a decision that you wrestled with, or was it really? Well, I gotta go. This is what I have to well, do. I think it was a wrestling for me, and in particular that I was at this crossroad of a moment, and so was the program. And I was thinking, well, this could be a great way to bring this to the film program at San Francisco State University, and. Uh, uh, I, I'll name them. And uh, they didn't, you know, it didn't work into what they really had me there to do, which was teach. Because mm. there's a lot of students there. I mean, I had classes of like 100, 150 students for like wow. intro to, you know, filmmaking and video. And I'm like, you know, walking on front doing my little Oprah hour. But um, <laughs> but state universities are not funded so well. I think no, it goes back no. to the bigger thing. And so these classes are huge. And a lot of the younger you know, faculty end up, regardless of their talent, um, you know, doing things that aren't like sitting in a lab and, you know, Mm. dealing with, you know, negotiating uh, to make the program bigger. They have to just teach the the bare bones. And I I just was ready to not do that again. Yeah. Where did you grow up, Cheryl? So I grew up in old Philadelphia, Philly. Uh Yeah, 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 yeah. I was born in Liberia, grew up in Philly. And, uh, you know, was that little odd black girl, you know, just like too wound up and um, just, you know, knowing my little difference. So um, I was always out, you know, there was never a minute of the closet for me, except for playing hide and seek or, you know, being in my mama or something like that. I just never knew why not. So that was really... Do you think that was some kind of self-knowledge or do you think that was unconditional love maybe that you had been, I mean, your family was accepting, they were not 
giving you any kind of pushback? Um, my father was uh, sort of traveling a lot. So he was in Liberia or Boston or whatnot. So he was sort of that part-time dad. But my mom was a full-time mom. Um, I'll tell you that. Uh, born in 1930 in, in Philadelphia mm. and had a whole other generation of, you know, what it meant to be, uh, you know, raise their kids and move them a step forward. So um, she was doing that, but I had a whole bunch of other stuff there. So I was just on a different track. I was able to be that daughter for her who, you know, got good grades and, you know, made, made those decisions. But I had my whole other, you know, you know, interior life, which became exterior, like playing in the street with kids. I remember, you know, having fun with kids behind the bushes, you know, mm, and what, mm. what my favorite at, at a very young age. So, um, but I, there was a moment where those two things came together, um, I would say, and not a bad way. Um, but it was time for me to go to college. And I, I literally was looking for the most queer place I could get into or right. a lesbian place. And for some reason I chose Michigan, Michigan state, because that's where the, uh, <laughs> I got a lesbian newsletter and it said Michigan state was the best place to go. Cause the women's music festival was there. Michigan women's right. music festival. I was like, that must be where lesbians are. What I want to go the- there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. And literally when I got there it was just a couple who had the, you know, PO box, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. It wasn't, <laughs> It was not Whenever I was. get hate mail, I always think of that too. It's like three people in a <laughs> right? studio apartment writing the letter, you know? And so I just, told, you know, she had that talk with me and she said, you know, when you go and you're going to be there, make sure you find a good, you know, boyfriend. And I said, well, hold, hold on, hold on. What if it's a girlfriend? Well, whatever, you know, and she just kind of went, rolled over it. And mm. I think she knew, I think she just knew, you know, and yeah. I was already a loud person, an extrovert, right. as they called it. Right, right. In those times, right? Well, that's, you know, that's pretty ahead of her time for your mom, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yes, from that type of, you know, black Philly girl, you know, yeah. raised, um, you know, in the Baptist way, turned Catholic and just, you know, real conservative, Democrat, yeah. you know, hardline, public school teacher. You know, that yeah, was, that's that like, was, yeah, that's like my family, too, and mm-hmm. Catholic and, you know, but I, I never, there was never a discussion about me being gay, but I think my mother knew as well. Now she died when I was 10 in 73, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. right before mm-hmm. she died, I signed up to play drums in school and she would not let me because she said it was a boy's thing and I didn't have to do so many boys things. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was the first and only thing that I kind mm-hmm. of remember or can pick out about that. Um, you know, again, I was just a little kid. I was 10, but I was always like a tomboy. I always mm-hmm. played all the sports. I always, you know, was loudmouth New York little spunky kid, you know, <laughs> right, right. and uh, w- without a mother and without gender defined roles in the household, you know, there came a freedom with that in some ways yep. that I am you know, not happy about, obviously, I would rather have had my mother living and, and Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. grown up with with that kind of frame as I try Mm -hmm. to parent myself and my children now in my 60s, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's something that you always look towards. Now, is your mom with us still? Or is no, my my father passed the African, he passed in the late uh, 80s. And I was, um, I don't know, uh, maybe 
maybe the one of the big girlfriends that I had at that time, like the first major girlfriend relationship. And I was just rediscovering my relationship with my father. And um, I think this is like 87. And she, you know, I'd come over to do laundry or something like that from college. I was now at Temple University in, in mm-hmm. Philly and living, you know, around the city with, you know, the South gangs. Street. South Street, the yes. West Philly lesbians. Joan Armour Trading was always playing there. <laughs> Joan, oh, I mean, did I have many? How, how many albums did I have? You know, how uh, many? Every albums single Joan Armour Trading I had. Every too. single seer as much as I could. You know, um, and uh, I just really was just digging into that life. And we went over, and um, she said, "Go, go give your dad a hug." You know, and I did. And the next day, he, he died. Um, so, but he was sort of like, my mom was the alpha. So I kind of followed in steps of that alpha, but with that, you know, daddy's little girl thing. And I think that really kept me on that, you know, uh, the track of, of, of being somebody who followed their, their visions and drives. And, and, and her thing was love many, trust few, always paddle your own canoe. She said that to me all the time. I was like, Oh, that is a great little saying. I never (laughs) heard that. (laughs) Love many, trust few, always paddle your own canoe. Yeah, that's pretty intense, really. When I understood it, I understood it. And it was like, all right, bye. (laughs) So 96, right when my show premiered, your feature film debut came out. Uh, The Watermelon Woman, which I remember vividly. It was so exciting to see uh, a film about African-American lesbian women unabashedly in love, vibrant and real. It was the first time that you that I saw a movie like that. It was groundbreaking and award winning. Yes, yes, yes. Now the watermelon woman was my you know love child of of lots of labor. I um, uh, had been working on it, I, I, as you would say, your my whole life. But uh, going back to that sort of coming out story, I wanted to tell a story that was about somebody who was already out. You know, there was a whole big coming out thing, even Go Fish, which was like sort of the big thing before me. Yes. Uh, Rose Trache and, and Gwen Turner. And, and, and I was living in New York at that time and that sort of, you know, little queer, little baby dyke village of uh, where I met, you know, you know, somebody close to you, Lower East Side. You know, we were yes, all doing exactly. sort of activist, fun stuff, living, you know, living a Queer artists. Queer, Queer artists downtown, yes. Yep, cultural producers at day and at night, you know what I'm saying? So I had to get in the game. I had to define myself in that timeline. And, you know, lucky for me, I was re- uh, receiving a few grants. I had uh, did a little gig at the New Museum as a a, a, a director of a, a, a show called uh, Bad Girls. Um, it was all about women video artists who were doing comedy. So it was just, I had put myself in the scene and I was just like, now's the time to do the story about black lesbian, a narrative. Everybody's yeah. doing doc. I want to do a narrative. And so I um, looked up, you know, stories, ideas, you know, I couldn't find anything about black lesbians in the black film history timeline. And then I couldn't, find anything about black lesbians in the queer history time, like Vita Russo's uh, cellular closet. Mm. Um, and so I just said, let me just make it up. You right. know, I, I have this history of, uh, you know, background in, in video art and performance. And uh, I, I'm comfortable in front of the camera. I did a lot of short video work. And so I played Cheryl, the video store employee, wannabe filmmaker, who I, you know, I think it just became meta. 
right. a lot. And um, it, there was enough there to make the sort of use video to tell that story because I knew how to be a, 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 on video cam. Um, but, but then I had to sort of figure out film really quickly and become a, a screenwriter and, and wrote a narrative around Cheryl's romance and situation, which was meta for the situation I was in with my partner at the time, um, who was a white lesbian. And so it was, it was great. It was really great. Put it out there. Won the Teddy Award in Berlin and, you know, invited to museums worldwide, but did not get the recognition in the, you know, the film, the independent film world, which was funny. Right. Well, you were, you were an outsider there, you know, mm-hmm. right? You are, you, who lives, who dies, who tells your story? If no mm-hmm. one's telling your story, there's no representation of you. How do you even find where you fit in the world, in the culture, in life, if your stories are not told? So this was a groundbreaking film and in, yeah. in a way, a, a mix of film, friends and documentary all together at once. And, you know, when I saw Precious for the first time, I mm-hmm. thought he's done uh, this as well. He's mm-hmm. taken a film and done it so raw and real that you think you're watching a documentary. Mm-hmm. It was yep. like a docu-drama, but but not in the way we, we usually think of those two words together, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that was a really powerful. I mean, he, Lee is, a, you know, he's also from Philly, too. Right? Yeah. So been in his presence too around around that time of precious um but yeah it was it was important to show that i existed on my own terms and that there was a world of black lesbians that are just living you know normal funny life you know like everything's funny (laughs) yeah to me too everything's (laughs) funny what's the other choice that's what i ask you what is the the other other choice now how do you find now um working in the confines of like the system you know mm-hmm. like when you come in you're obviously an independent thinker filmmaker individual um you come in and and have kind of the lanes be so defined for you that it almost limits your ability your ability to drive uh, naturally as you do you know artistically mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. how, how do you find that because I, I thought it would be that you would go off and just become this independent film star making independence over and over. And instead you kind of took, took a different turn right. and you're in, you know, shows that uh, the fosters, which I was on, which you worked on as well. Mm-hmm. And with that comes notes from producers and <laughs> a lot of involvement, you know, from other people. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. like you're the artist and they're screaming more blue. And you're like, shut up. I'm painting, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. I love that. So funny. Um, I don't know, you know, at this moment for me as a director on episodic television, it's very easy to, cause I am the guest. Everybody else has been on the show for a long time. They know each other and have relationships from the crew to right. the producers to the cast, you know? Um, and so a, a director just kind of flies in and is gone within two weeks and they're on to somebody else, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what type of show it is. But for the most part, you're, you're talking about that time. So am I going to come in and change the system or am I going no. to come in and be the guest and have a lovely time and make everybody feel, you know, feel me and remember me and, and do the best thing I can do. So it took a while to get to that. And I think it sure. takes directors a while to, especially ones who are filmmakers, you know, I mean, but they bring you in because they want you as an indie filmmaker with this rich history and, 
you know, I play with narrative and, and, and now I'm on a lot of bigger shows. So I know, you know, all the effects and this and that. So I'm, I'm very happy at this point because it's mm-hmm. not my show. And I, right. I, I, I really say to everybody, I love you to death. Complain all you want, but it's not my show. Right. Exactly. Not a lot <laughs> I can do. Show. It's not I mean, my show. I would say that show. to people too. Some of my friends were talking about, you know, the the problems with the show, and they were like, "The amores of the seventies are." I'm like, "It's not my show. I'm just a cop. It's not my show. It's not my show. I can't." I mean, what the thing is is to make your own show, and that's you know what yes. I'm, I'm really trying to do now. But it's about my pay grade too. Is the other thing I was saying on uh, before the strike when I walked out of another show. This is above my pay grade, and let the mm-hmm. people you know come in. So. I mean, it sounds, but I would be right there rehearsing, you know, right there, you know, making some interesting blocking or, um, you know, talking to the cast to bring out, you know, do my little Dunye magic with them. But I was not going to go and change the system. I was going to deliver more options. Let's shoot the hand. Let's shoot the ceiling. Oh, don't forget the light. He said light there, you know, and then shoot the, shoot the way that the show looks because I can't go like. Oh, exactly. Sh- you have to I'm follow do a talking head. <laughs> right. You have to sort of follow the template already established and paint within yeah. that frame. Right. 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 I mean, if I went to Bridgerton and did, you know, the Dunye mentory, like it just didn't work. You know, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> it would not work. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't work. So, you know, how do you then do your thing within the confines of a show? I mean, you figure out performance, you figure out, you know, camera location, you, you figure out, you know, as I said, blocking. Uh, props. I mean, uh, directors have so much control that, you know, once you figure out like how, you know, to make them color in a show, and as you were talking about color, um, bring it. Yeah. Bring it. Bring it. Yeah. Is there somebody in history that you would like people to know more about who was like an out black lesbian in a time when, you know, I'm sure there's many, but is there someone that you like, oh God, that's what I want to do. That subject is Mm. a specific individual. Right. Well, I call myself an Audrey Lordian. Yes, and, well, good um, for you. <laughs> an Audrey Lordian. And I've lived by, you know, her poetry, Audrey Lord, you know, died in the early 90s, black lesbian poet, poet laureate of the state of New York in right, 90, um, right before she passed from cancer, um, you know, lived loud and proud and doing thruples in the 50s and, you mm. know, whatever kids are calling them, to, you know, she was living it then. And right. then being radical and defining what it means to be, um, uh, have a, a, a black feminist lesbian agenda that's about love and inclusion. Mm. Right. Um, people don't know that. <laughs> they know her name. Yes. They could pull out a quote or two, but right. do they know, like, she was blind until the, you know, legally blind until the age of five, didn't speak um, wow. and, and until, uh, you know, she was at a public library in, in Harlem and uh, the librarian read a book and Audrey said, I want to read. Um, uh, and her mom, her Caribbean West Indian mom was just, you know, crying. Right. So, it's a I miracle. Mean, so, <laughs> it's a miracle. Right. right? It is. So, so yeah. that's the one. That's the woman, I think. And um, I'm doing many things right now great things to make that a reality to adapt one of her um, novels into uh, a film. And do you have anyone who you would like to play her? 
Now that's a hard one. <laughs> Come on, Janelle Monet. I don't know who is it. Ah, uh, Janelle. Janelle would be great. I mean, the, the, once you once I get it together and and figure out, you know, who should be Audrey. Kids are going to come pop in life. Yes, pop, like no, without a doubt. Without, <laughs> without a, doubt. a doubt. Without a doubt. We'll be right back with Cheryl Dunier. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Now, how old were you when you became a mom? Um, 33. Me too. That's when I got my first <laughs> baby too. Yeah, it was a good year that year. It was a good and, year. And uh, was that a big decision for you? Were you in a partnership? Was it something that you just wanted to do for um, yourself? Or how did mm, that come about? Mm, I, uh, so I'm going to you know turn back the hands of time. When I, um, you know, definitely... Was thinking about being queer, I always thought I was going to have a kid, and I thought it would happen. It would magically happen when you turn twenty-one. You just started having kids. I don't know where <laughs> the, the nuns never told us the right thing. I'm sure, um, but uh, I definitely knew I was going to have a kid. I was always making plans. I was always sort of, you know, thinking about what gay man, and even asking them to the point of like, you know, you, you got good genes. Tell me, you know, whatever. Yet, yeah, especially during the time of AIDS, we lost so many. Wonderful yes. man. Um, Essex Hemphill was a, a good friend of mine. He was like somebody who was asking, he's like, no, I can't. Others. Um, so it was always on my agenda, regardless of what I was doing. And it was just finding the right moment. And I said, all right, the moment's going to be after I do like my major big thing. Right. And that was the watermelon woman. And um, 
I did it right after that. As, as, you know, and I was a one hit wonder because I'm a, a gold star. Good for you. <laughs> right? Good so for just, you. Right? I'm, uh, yeah, that's a guy. I have a lot of gold star lesbians, never been with a man. And right? uh, they wear it proudly, you know, right. a, yeah. as you should, as you should. <laughs> All right. Um, and, and do you have a son or a daughter? What, what um, do you I have? have a, I have a, uh, Simone's gender and nonconforming. So they are um, uh, living in Seattle with their partner, who's also a, a they. Um, and, uh, just starting in the world, uh, I, I would say, uh, working as they graduated from Cooper union in paper making. Wow. Um, so but Cooper that's a, union, that's a fancy <laughs> art school there and use and useful paper making. It is right. So it, <laughs> it took a while to figure out how to put that on the map. So, yeah. um, now they're in Seattle and they're, um, uh, a registrar at an art center and planning to go to grad school. And so the partner I had at the same time that Smell was born, where they were like, oh, I want to do it. And so um, we use the same donor. And so we have a son, and his name is Gabe. And he, too, is he went to um, a, a college in New York. Um, I forgot the name of it. I'm sorry. Um, it's also the menopausal brain. People don't Believe me, I'm with means. you on that, honey. <laughs> You don't um, have to. I think I need three more seconds when I watch Jeopardy now. <laughs> it should be over 60. You get three more seconds to answer totally, the question. Right. Yeah. Now, so both your kids are non-binary. Well, you no, know, Gabe, Gabe is not. He's just, he hasn't really defined himself. I think. Hasn't he's defined a game, himself. He's a gamer. So I think he has a relationship that he's trying to figure out with, with the world. Understood. <laughs> well, my little one is 10 who, uh, you know, is so magical. She has autism. She's, she told me right after we worked together that some of her stuffed animals were non-binary. And I was like, no kidding. I said, and what, she was like nine at the time. I said, and what does that mean? She says, they're not a girl and they're not a boy. And I said, okay, that's fine. I, that's fine with me. I said, you know, when I was a girl, there was a thing called a tomboy and that's what they called people who felt not like a girl and not like a boy. And uh, she goes, so that means you're non-binary? I said, well, for me, I'm just gay. But <laughs> some people, you know, I understand non-binary. Mm-hmm. Well, now they are a they, them. I almost said she is a they, mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. they feel so strongly about this. Mm-hmm. It's been over a year. And they recently asked all their friends and everyone else in their life besides me and one friend of hers, Judah, who lives away, to call her Clay, uh-huh. to call them Clay. Uh-huh. And that she would like, they would like me and Judah to still call them Dakota. So it's so interesting to be on this journey that here I am like a lesbian icon and my little nine-year-old says to me, mommy, some kids in my class don't even know their own gender. I'm like, tell them to look in the mirror when they're in the shower, (laughs) right? Like a typical idiot. And she says, that's your sex, not your gender. Sex is uh, binary. Gender is infinite. She was nine, Cheryl. She was nine years old. Oh, my goodness. she's kind of schooling me into Mm -hmm. readjusting my antiquated thinking and opening myself up to seeing who they are. Because when a kid tells you who they are, believe them, you know, you got to believe them. You have to. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 your our future. 
um, and that's our the next gen, and we just have to be there for them, whatever, um, and be and parent them and give them what they need for the journey after us, which is going to be a hard one. Do you remember that first love or the first time you kissed a girl? Did your head explode? Like, oh, wow. what what was that like? Did did you kiss a boy before you kissed a girl? Um, I think I kissed the boy, but it didn't go well. Yeah, um, <laughs> it did not. How go well. you were a little kid? How old were you? I, I was maybe it was a, the, the promiscuous summer, uh, like twelve or thirteen, and there was uh-huh. some sort of like little, you know, older than me little boy who uh was sort of met in the golf course at night that type of thing we're all there right. playing games and i was just they you know what are you doing just i gotta go home it was right. boring <laughs> so right, I, you know, right. escape from home but there was once i found you know figured out my lesbianism um and moved past my crush with you know the italian girl in high school i um found this older lesbian who I just, Nancy Fertino, I can't even say the name, but maybe she hmm. Nancy Fertino. And she um, was an anarchist and I just, in, at the anarchist bookshop and um, she was like, I, I can't go out with you. I can't do anything with you because you're young. You know, come back in a year when you, hmm. when you turn 18. So I went back in a year and I said, uh, are you ready? <laughs> and so we had a summer little thing before I went to college, you know. Good but for you. Like, yes, yes. Good so for it's... her for putting up that boundary, number one. <laughs> exactly. And number two, good for you for knowing what you wanted. I knew what I wanted. And I, you know, I knew it was something that was going to be fulfilling and that there was desire there, as well as uh, a lifestyle that I believed in. And I think that's the whole thing, too. It's like, while, while, why our younger generation is who they are, they're 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 showing together the the politics of it's not just about who you sleep with you know right. it's about how you live your life it's about who you you know value it's a whole bunch of social mores for them to align to and and feel comfortable in the world with um to find a partner because mm-hmm. you can you can be you can have fun with an avatar for a long time you know exactly um, <laughs> <laughs> put on that virtual reality headset they're talking about yeah, crazy really, crazy how really life is good. so different technology is the hardest thing yeah it sure yep. is did you fight did you fight that with your gamer son that you know my kid i think is going to be a an animator or a gamer or it's all about that world and the mm-hmm. depth of knowledge is terrifying you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really what she's able, what they're able to tell me is going on in, in the, as she, she says it, the um, object show community, because oh. those are the kind of shows she likes where objects have little faces and they talk, but oh. there are no people in it. That's what she wants. Just voices. And, Just you know, voices. It could be anybody. It could, well, they call him broccoli or they call him cup and it's a little cup. And he's like, hey, how you doing? Let's walk over to the candle. And they walk over to the candle. And, Hello, I'm the candle. I'm very hot. Yeah, better put you out. You know, like it's a it's a crazy little. But she has a they have a whole community that they're, you know, invested in. And I I, I took them to VidCon, you know, which is like Comic-Con, but for Mm -hmm. YouTube stars and what she watches. And we went in there and she just got tears in her eyes and she looked around and she said, these are my people. This is my culture. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is my culture. That's their culture and they understand and they seek it and they can find it online and whatnot. So Gabe, the, uh, the, the gamer, was at once a brony, uh, My Little yes. Pony. 
Bella. I know that, yes. And he also plays Magic the Gathering. And he was here at the, when I was living in another place, which was very far away from the BronyCon. Mm. But I was like, I am not driving all the way out there. So he dressed up in his little brony outfit, took right. BART, which is the public transportation system up here in, in the Bay Area, all the way to the airport, hopped on a shuttle to go to this con and play and sing, you know, the little brony the song. My Little Pony like, song, yes. Right. I was just like, what the? And you know? that's when I knew he knew what, you know, he, I mean, this public system is long and there are a lot of people that get on it. And so yes. when he's dressed in a little purple you know, wig and blah, blah, blah. I mind that he was, you know, in his teens at that point, but um, right. I, he loves all the cons. He loves, you know, yeah. making the big sword out of paper. Exactly. I, I got the <laughs> uh, con kid here too. Exactly. Right? The whole well, Cheryl, way. you're delightful. I really uh, love talking to you. I could talk yeah. to you all day. I yes. can't wait till we get to work together and hopefully this strike will be over before we even air this um, podcast. So yes, that's it what will be we're, over. I hope I really do. It and uh, thank you for talking to me. Thank you for coming on and telling everybody about you and who you are and, and what you do, because you're pretty phenomenal. Oh, that's uh, after you, after you. Well, thank you, my friend. Please stick around for some questions from you, our loyal listeners. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. It was wonderful to talk with Cheryl and uh, let me know what you think. All right, 
We get some questions from you, and here's the one. Hit it. Hi, Rosie. It's Preston from Alabama. I just wanted to leave you a message and let you know how much I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. It's triggered a walk down memory lane for me. I have been rewatching like your movies, The League of Their Own, the Flintstones movie, <laughs> even that Ren and Stimpy episode you did where you voiced the Barrette Beret girl. Do you remember that? <laughs> um, and also your nephew uploading your show, your talk show to YouTube. I've enjoyed those. I used to come in in the afternoons after school and watch your show with my mom. So those are super special to me. And, uh, you know, my question's kind of about my mom. Um, You know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, my mom was always so progressive-minded. She's so sweet and empathetic, sympathetic to other people. And she always raised me to believe that, you know, I'm no better than anybody else. We're all equal, no matter skin color, sexuality, you know, which was really progressive at that point in time that we were living in and in, in, in Alabama, especially where we live. Because as you know, in Alabama, a lot of people still have really hateful ideas of the way things should be. And and it's just terrible, you know. And as a gay man, my husband and I have faced it. You know, we go out and people give us dirty looks or, you know, we go to a restaurant, people get up and and move tables. So, it makes it even worse that my mom ideologically aligns herself with people that aim to hurt me and and my husband, who she claims to care about. You know, and 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 since Donald Trump's presidency over those over that those four years, and then even after now, I've I've tried to remind her what she always instilled in me and what she always said her beliefs were. And you know, I really feel like she's been brainwashed and I can't convey that to her, you know, and it just breaks my heart that she thinks the way she does now and I don't understand it. It's just hateful. And I feel like I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm ready just to kind of give up, you know, and my husband and I have even talked about wanting to leave this place and go somewhere more progressive. So hopefully we can make that happen. But I just, I always thought I would just stay here forever because of her, you know, and and this place is just so hard to be gay in, you know, I feel like there's got to be an easier way and better place to be and I just, I want to just leave it all behind, I feel like, but it, like I said, at the same time, it breaks my heart to like leave my mom and just to give up on that relationship, but I mean, like I said, I, I wouldn't go out and be friends with the Ku Klux Klansmen, so I just don't know if I can reconcile it anymore and I don't think that she gets it. I don't know. I don't know. What would you do, Rosie? My question was, I thought you lost your mom at such a young age. Do you ever wonder if you would have gotten along? And and what if your mom were still around and she took a hard right MAGA turn? Like, how would you deal with that? Or, you know, if if she was steadfast in those ideas and those beliefs, like, would you turn away? Like, how do you deal with that? Like, I don't know. I don't know, Rosie. Help me make sense of it. <laughs> Preston, you're very, very cute. And I'm sorry that happened. I really am. There's a wonderful documentary called Fox News Brainwashed My Dad. And you have to watch that. It's it's exactly about this. You know, what happened when, you know, a sort of progressive family raised progressive beliefs, democratic usually, liberal possibly, um, and somebody in the family does make a huge right turn. Families are hard, you know? And when you have trauma in the beginning, in the setup, in the very structure of the family, you know, it's, 
difficult to overcome, but it's possible. It's possible, Preston. And here's what I say. It is easier to be gay in a different place than where you are. And I hope that you find a place where you and your husband can can thrive and be a part of a community and feel all that love that um, has been missing since your your mom went MAGA. I wish you nothing but luck and love, and you sound like an amazing human, and thank you very much for uh, picking up my station here on this uh, newfangled podcast thing. Thank you, Preston. Question number two, hit it. Hello. <laughs> I can't believe you were in London and you didn't get in touch to have our coffee. It's all right. Um, you mentioned candy corn. I miss candy corn. Anyway, I will not go near candy corn. I don't even know what's in candy corn. Should I say candy corn again? Um, <laughs> enjoying your podcast still and... I'm thinking, what question did I have? Um, I don't have a question. I just always like, I just want to talk. <laughs> okay. Um, looking forward to the next, um, uh, next Tuesday for the next podcast. And, um, yeah, I also feel the same about all the news going on. And I just, you know, I just stay in my head creating. And, um, oh, ma- that's it. What kind of art are you making? What are you working on? Are you sewing? Are you painting? Yeah. Share some of your artwork. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Did I say it's Meryl? Bye. <laughs> Okay, Meryl, we're definitely having coffee because you're a freaking riot. Um, I don't really have a question. I just like to talk. Well, <laughs> Meryl, you've come to the right place. Um, I, too, go often to dissociation with my artistic endeavors. I start blasting Joni Mitchell as loud as it will go, and I just paint. And sometimes it's stuff to get out of me. Sometimes it's to sort of get rid of the images that are in my head. If I paint them, then, then you know, they don't haunt me as much. I, I don't know. Um, I sew things together, you know, like little scrapbook pages with the sewing machine sometimes. And, you know, it's like a whole lot of uh, OCD-esque journaling and... Uh, and mental health hours, you know, and and that's what I have to do. I would love to say I'm fine with this and everybody let's move on with our, I'm not fine with any of it and uh, I don't have the answers and I'm just a person and who asked me anyway. So there are smarter minds than this one that are the ones we should be listening to. And, and uh, I'm looking to, to listen to some inspiring stuff. So, yeah, make art, Meryl. Keep uh, keep being you. You're very funny. 
Merrill in three times with the question. Way to go. If you want to leave your own voice message for me, you can send it in a voice memo to onwardrosie at gmail.com. Next week on Onward, we have the amazing Alexandra Pelosi, who just released her 15th documentary, and they're all freaking amazing. This one, I absolutely loved, and I think it should be required viewing for all of America. It's called The Insurrectionist Next Door, which she produced, directed, and shot herself. She spends time with and interviews several individuals charged with crimes for participating in the January 6th attack on the Capitol, even asking some point blank, hey, did you go to the Capitol to assassinate my mother? I mean, honestly... It's a mind-blowing documentary, and um, watch it if you can this week before Tuesday, because I think you're going to love the conversation. Alexandra Pelosi is uh, next week with the documentary, The Insurrectionist Next Door. Hey, everybody, take care of your hearts, please, and each other. Peace. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.